wanted to uh, share this real quick. I was thinking as, as, as Amy was sharing with you guys this morning, um, over, the, over the last couple of weeks, um, well, you know, we did some new members, received some new members, and, and I was just thinking about this. As we have these little cards, and these express our core values. And I was um, just listening to Amy, excited about uh, what they're doing with the ladies, but it reminded me of this. One of our core values is personal responsibility. And it says this, we, we penned this and then added a verse to it, but it says, compelled to live out our individual functions or giftings in the body of Christ because God loved us first. We had Ephesians 4.16 as our verse, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what e every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. I like that. Um, you, you, you were seeing that lived out, right? And that's not just for a few individual people that decide to do something. That's every one of us. We each add something. And when we function properly, we cause the body of Christ to be built up, right? That's exciting. I like that. So I just wanted to kind of highlight that. That caught me this morning as we were um, just taking that in. Amen. Well, all right, here we go. Verse 4, again, I did bring some props with me today. Uh, I didn't bring anything to hang them on up here, so I'll leave them down there till I need them, and then I'll go get them. Actually, maybe I can get them up here. Let's see. <clears throat> do, 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 do. Let's see. But that one will stay right there. Yep, it will. This one will hang right there. There we go. All right, now I got them close at hand. Psalms 23, 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Uh, verse 4, I've been looking forward to verse 4. Uh, we started into it last week. We're going to consider some things, but again, I, I want to um, just make a statement that I'll come back to again and again and again. This verse in the psalm says so much about what I'm going to refer to as the culture of being shepherded, okay? Um, a culture of being shepherded. David was a shepherd. Okay? When, when he said these things, he wasn't just using words. He understood the culture of shepherding. He understood the dynamic of the shepherd with the sheep, how the sheep responded to the shepherd, how the shepherd responded to the sheep, how all of this happened. There's a culture of being shepherded. Um, and we do not live in the West in a place where the culture of shepherding is appreciated. And I'm not talking about shepherding sheep. I'm talking about being shepherded, okay? Matter of fact, it's, it's like everybody is just, do away with weakness, do away with this, do away with my need for anybody else. I want to be self-sufficient. You ever heard that word before? Or term, term, it's a term, it's two words, self-sufficient. Um, and, and, you know, I look and, and 
the shepherd, not only does he value individual sheep, but a shepherd, what's he do? He shepherds a flock. And the shepherd does everything he can to keep the flock together, right? No place in the scriptures do you find good things being said about lone sheep, right? Because you're, you're in danger when you're a lone sheep. Matter of fact, today, when you say the word lone, what's it associated with? Wolf. Lone wolf. Oh, he's a lone wolf, right? You never say, oh, lone sheep. No, a lone sheep is a dead sheep. That's what that is. And, and so we have this culture of shepherding, of being shepherded. And you have to choose that. It's not going to happen. We don't live in a place where it's popular, but yet it's what we're called to in Scripture. And, and people go, well, I'm, I'm, I'm individualist, and I got these ideas, and blah, blah, blah. That's okay. You know, I understand God made us certain ways, but you always have to temper that with the reality that we have been called to be shepherded. And each part is called to contribute to the whole for the good, for the building up. Isn't that what it said in Ephesians 4.16? I just read it. And so I don't care who you are or what you like or what your strengths are. It still has to be tempered. It still has to be held in consideration of what we're called to. We're called to a culture of shepherding. Being shepherded. So, uh, this verse draws it out. I, I, and it's going to take a little bit to unpack this. It's going to take us a couple of weeks, but let's get started. All right. So, <clears throat> I want to go back and I want to say something because a shift happens in verse 4. A shift happens. It's an interesting shift. I'd never really caught it until yesterday. But in, in the first three verses of Psalms 23, there's a statement made in verse 1 that everything else hangs on. And in, in verse 1, it says, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, so the, the, those verses go on to tell us about the things that the shepherd provides. What's he provide? He provides our food. He provides our water. He provides the path. He provides the guidance. And all of those things are comforting to sheep. We need those things. We need those things. I will tell you, I'll let the cat out of the bag. I don't know where this will come in, but there are so many parallels between this psalm and how Jesus taught his disciples to pray, right? So many parallels. And so we see all these things. We see these things that the shepherd provides, and the sheep are comforted by those. They cause us to look at the shepherd with fondness. They cause us to look at the shepherd and go, oh, Man, you know, that, that, that comforts me. I, I, look, at, look at there, he's provided water. Look at there, he's provided food. Uh, look at there, he's, he's got the path. He knows where we're going, right? But in verse 4, there's a shift. There's a shift at what is being said. Verse 4 gives us a place and the shepherd's way for the shepherd's way of caring and providing. We are given insights into the culture of the shepherd and his sheep and how the community will interact together in the good and the bad. All right, I'm back up for a minute. I want you to, I want you to get the shift. So we've got the shepherd providing. In verse 4, it says this, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, 
And here's the statement that everything hinges on, for you are with me. Now, there's a difference between I shall not want and you are with me, okay? How many of you have ever prayed for something? God, I would like you to do this, right? And sometimes God does what we ask. Sometimes he says no. That's, that's a legitimate answer from God, by the way. Um, but sometimes it happens the way we pray and we go, oh, God, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm comforted by that, right? And, and that's why I'm glad to be with you. I see that you're providing for me. But in verse 4, it says, even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, very interesting, the words that are used right there for the valley of shadow of death, this is the first time they're ever used like this in the Old Testament. And, and it is comparable to, they said, a mine shaft, okay? They said the valley of the shadow of a death is a place where the darkness is felt, okay? It's not just a tight spot. It's a place where you can feel it closing in on you. So it says, even though I walk through that place, I will fear no evil for you are with me. That statement for you are with me is like this. God, I'm not okay because you're giving me something. I'm okay because I'm with you. You're God. You're God. There's a difference between looking at God and going, I'm so thankful that you're providing for me that there are going to be places where we stand and we're going to say, God, I'm glad I'm with you. It's kind of like Ephesians 3.20 and 21. Paul says, I pray to the God who is able to do abundantly above and beyond all that I could ask or think or even imagine. I'm praying to God. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith, it's impossible to please God. For those who come to him must believe that he is God. Period. Period. Not because of what he's giving me. Not because of what he's doing for me. Not because he's making me feel good, but because he is God and he is with me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Not because God's making all my enemies go away. Matter of fact, you go farther into the psalm, you're going to find out he doesn't. He says he sets a table before me where? In the presence of my enemies. He is with me. This is part of the culture of being shepherded. It's not about getting the shepherd to do what I want. It's understanding who I'm with. I will fear no evil because he's with me, right? And, and there's also a change from, it's just like the sheep are with the shepherd, but now they say he is with me. There's a confidence in that. That's what faith is. It's a confidence in God's character. This is a statement of faith. He is with me. And I don't say that because he's doing what I want. I'm just confident in his character. He is with me. We get glimpses of, of, of what is important to the shepherd and, and how he graciously responds to the natural tendencies of the sheep in this verse 4. Um. And we're told without apology that this is all 
properly functioning, even in the valley of the shadow of death. Um, man, so many times, I'm going to say this probably again and again because I've experienced this in my life, that when I find myself in that place where I can feel the darkness, the first thing I say is, what did I do wrong? Right? Where did I mess up? Did I, did I, did I lose faith? What did I do? But those are the places that faith is for. Right? Faith doesn't rescue me from those places. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. I have confidence in your character here. Right? And in Hebrews 3, we learned about a whole generation of people who saw miraculous things. They saw miracles, but it said they were faithless. Ooh, bit my tongue. Faithless people. They were not combining the promises with faith, right? So when they felt the darkness, what did they do? They complained. They murmured. They grumbled. Why? Because they wanted another sign. They wanted God to do another miracle. But yet the sheep in this passage go, even though we're here, we're not afraid because he is with us. We didn't say he's doing what we want. He's just with us. And if God be for you, right? Romans 8, come on. Then who can be against you? What can separate you from the love of Christ? And he goes on to list a bunch of horrible things. And he goes, none of this. I'm convinced that none of this can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. He is with me. But that is part of the culture of being shepherded. You have to want to be there. You, you have to want to embrace that way of living. All right. So that, that change in language, that, that change in attitude. I already read it, Hebrews 11.6. We can, we can put it up on the screen. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. I love that. You know, faith, confidence in God's character. Without a confidence in God's character, it's impossible to please him. And we must believe that he is God, right? That's who I've put my confidence in. But I also know that in the end, he is a rewarder. It says we need to know that, but it doesn't say that we demand it. I think there's a line there. When I have a confidence in God's character and I go, he, he, he's working this for my good, Right? Um, and, and you'll hear me pray sometimes. If I ever pray for you and you're not feeling well, chances are you're going to hear me say this. God, it is our desire that you would heal this person because your arm is not too short. That's my desire. But God, I also know that you have a plan, and I thank you that you're working for their good no matter what happens after I pray. Right? That's, that's not lack of faith. That's not wishy-washy. That's just understanding. On my best day, I don't understand. I want to be shepherded, and I hold my desires. I allow them to be tempered by the fact that he is with me, and he is working for good, even when I can't see it, even when I can feel the darkness, and I wish it was there. I'm not going to freak out because he's with me. He's with me. He'll get me through. All right. This passage, uh, verse 4, is solely based 
on who the shepherd is, based on who the shepherd is. This is, this is it's not based on his provision. It, it, he is the I am. I love that he said that to Moses. I am. I am your provision. I am your healing. I am your protection. I am. Anything that you need, I am. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Right? God be God. Do beyond what I can ask or think or even imagine. The things that you have planned, I don't know about, but you will make them known to me by your spirit. Those are the promises of scripture and those are promises that you begin to draw on on this verse 4. So we're going to see who the shepherd is. We're going to see who the shepherd is as he stands perfect in his existence, showing his way to those who would seek him out. And this is the culture of being shepherded. So I read it again. Psalms 23, 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So he is with me. We see the shepherd. Stand alone, self-existent, all-powerful, none beside him. And in his possession are two instruments. Instruments that show off his ways of working and the culture we are called to abide in. In, in John chapter 15, Jesus talks about abiding. I did months and months and months of sermons on abiding in Christ. But abide is a voluntary word. He says, abide in me. Abide in me. Remain. Right? As if we have a choice to stay or not to stay. Interesting thing is, if you have a heart to abide, I say this, I, I read this in Andrew Murray's book, and I just struggled with it, struggled with it, struggled with it. But the more I repeat it, the more I have to agree with it. If you really have a heart to abide, then it's God's job to hold you there. If you want to abide. It's the same thing that David says in Psalms 23, or Psalms 51, restore to me the joy of my salvation and sustain me with a heart that's willing to be where you are. Okay? God, I want to be there. I'm a sheep. You know my tendency. What do sheep do? We all like sheep have gone astray. Okay? And God says, oh, if you want to be a part of this flock, I'll keep you there. I'll hold you. I got you. If you want to abide, God will hold you there. I prayed again and again, God, hold me in abiding. God, I struggle with this, but it's where I want to be. I'm not doing this because I'm good at it. I'm doing this because I know this is what I want. But it's going to be some work, right? Uh, there's some stuff in me, and I'm sure you'll touch it and bring it out, all right? And we're going we're gonna to get to that. I, that's why I just, because there's so much in this verse. Um, his rod and his staff, his rod and his staff, the two instruments, uh, the, the rod. Now this is, uh, actually not the best illustration of the rod, but, but very similar. This was something that I had a friend. If any of you ever met Ed, um, Ed's gone now. He's home with the Lord, but he made this for me. He had a wood lave and he's 
just told me this is for putting knots on neighbors' heads. So, uh, <laughs> but this is very much like what the rod would have been. Um, it probably would have come up, uh, gotten bigger all the way up, and, and still had the knob on the end, um, made out of wood, um, single piece of wood, bigger on one end with a knob on the other. Uh, we might even refer to it in our day as a billy club. And I thought about that. Maybe it was a club they used on goats, right, the billy club. But uh, very similar when you talk about the rod, that's what they're referring to as an instrument much like this. And the staff, much more traditional, uh, what we would call the shepherd's crook, uh, something similar to this. I don't know if they were that narrow. I don't know how big a sheep's neck is. That may have been a little bit wider. But I got this from... Pastor Alan Warnicke, when they installed us here at Hungry Horse Chapel. And I've had that around, so I'll hold on to that just for a minute here. Um, inside of the, of the culture of um, being shepherded, what is the effect of these tools and how the shepherd uses them? Now, David was a shepherd. And so when he spoke about the rod and the staff, he wasn't just looking for words to fill up the page. He understood how each one of those tools was used in regard to the sheep. He understood the culture of being shepherded. He understood the culture because he was a shepherd. And now he's saying, Lord, I am the sheep and I know that you will shepherd me in the same way. And that your rod has a function and your staff has a function and they bring comfort to me, how they affect the sheep. So. Um, We must keep the setting in focus as well. Um, oh, let's see here. I, I skipped over some things. Um, they, they and, and I guess I said it. What do, the, what do the tools do? What does the verse say? Your rod and your staff, they, they comfort me. They comfort me. They bring comfort to me. Um, the Hebrew meaning is to console, to make feel safe. Okay. Your rod and your staff, they console me. They, make me. they make me feel safe. Now, the setting, of course, is where? The valley of the shadow of death, right? They, they console me in this place. It's so important because sheep have tendencies, especially when they can feel the darkness, right? Do you have tendencies when you can feel life closing in on you, oh, you better believe you do. And you're going to find out that your tendencies are so much like a sheep. And so we should expect to be shepherded because it says that these instruments are used to comfort me, right? To minister to me, yet they each have a function. So I want to consider these two instruments um, that we see wielded by the shepherd, which also help define his culture. And so I, I did a little research uh, on the rod and the staff and the shepherd's MO and how he uses them. And I used a, just a couple of different sites on, on people that looked like they knew what they were doing about shepherding and herding. So I drew from a couple of different places, but it, I, I've got this here. Livestock management will occasionally require keepers to move herds and catch single animals. A chief consideration in both of these, now this is something David understood, okay? We know this, David understood this. He didn't, he didn't have to say all this, he was a shepherd. He just, 
maybe thought that we would understand it. So, a chief consideration in both of these is the animal's flight zone. Do you know animals have a flight zone? They do. Sheep have a flight zone, which is the area around an animal where keepers move without spooking it. Isn't that interesting? God knows our tendencies to be spooked. Right? He does. And guess what? He even cares. Oh, my goodness. The other is the point of balance. Um, and is, it's another important concept. Animals prefer that people stay shoulder adjacent and will move to ensure this. Isn't that interesting? So you have two things that the shepherd considers when he's moving with the flock, and that is their flight zone and their point of balance. This made me think of Jesus' words, the point of balance, when he says, come to me, all you who are weary, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Where are you in a yoke? You're shoulder to shoulder, right? It's the same principle. David understood this. As the shepherd, who's the smartest guy in the field? The shepherd. Yet he recognizes the tendencies of the sheep, and he honors that to minister to them. So interesting. You know, Jesus said, he who is the greatest will be the minister of all. Isn't that funny that so many times we see weaknesses in others, but rather than walking with them, waiting for resurrection, we're out there trying to fix it so they could be like us. Oh, if these stupid sheep weren't like that, we could really make some progress. But he's more concerned about the herd, and he recognizes their weakness. And so he uses these instruments to help him in the culture of shepherding. Because we have these two, uh, not, not the only two, but we have the flight, flight zone and the point of balance to deal with. Okay? So, back onto the rod and the staff. The rod and the staff allow the shepherd an extended arm, allowing control over an animal without breaching a sheep's flight zone or point of balance in the herd. Very interesting. David understood this. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They comfort me. Could God have done it differently? Sure he could. He's God. But he chose to do it this way. And he created a culture of shepherding. Why? Because he cares about us. He knows our weakness. I love Psalms 103. God, do not forget that we are but dust. Right? He, he doesn't forget that. The rod. It's a, it's a club. Crafted from solid wood. Often featuring an enlarged knob at the end. The rod was used to fight off wild animals and to count the sheep and to direct them. The rod prodded them during the day in the fields and at night into the sheepfold. To use the rod defensively, okay, uh, they would lob the club at a predatory animal to scare it away or use it directly in hand. Uh, they practiced with their rod to improve heft and control over the weapon. Once skilled accuracy was achieved, they would toss it near sheep splintering from the herd movement without compromising flight zone, safe placement, and your point of balance in the overall herd. Now, 
this is where we see, now I want to say this, but sometimes we just get, we get out of the middle of the road. God loves the flock. And God loves you. But if you decide to be a naughty sheep, he will not compromise the flock for the individual. He'll go after you. But it's very interesting in shepherding. If a sheep starts to plinter from the herd, you know what he's going to do? He's going to go, I don't want all these guys to freak out. I'm going to throw this thing at that sheep. How many of you have ever experienced the rod, right? And he prods us with it. He doesn't club us with it. He prods us with it. Well, God, I like this clump of grass that I'm grazing on. Come on, let's go. God, I just want to stay here. Come on, let's go. God, I'm a little upset with them. Come on, let's go. Let's get moving. Let's get moving. You've sat on this long enough. It's time to go. He prods us, and at, and at night, you know, into the pen, into the pen. Come on, let's go. Let's get you in the safe place. So that's the, that's the rod. The staff, more commonly referred to as a crook, uh, was an indispensable uh, for, the, for the shepherd. Hold it up here, the staff. Uh, you could grip the shaft's uncurved end using the tool as an extended arm. Now listen to this. We're going to get to this next week. A little bit of information on a sheep. A sheep has more power with his head pointed downward. So minding your body's placement outside the flight zone and at the point of balance, the shepherd would reach the crook towards the animal's head, hook the crooked end around the neck, and pull the chin up, then move the animal back into the herd. The culture of shepherding, we're going to spend a whole week on the staff. Okay, we're not going to get the staff today because you got to get this. This and that so define the culture of shepherding because David told us how God would respond to us, right? I like it when he's giving me what I ask for, but there comes a point where you just got to say, you're God, and that's the way it is, and I'm going to respond to your shepherding because I tend to get my head down. We're going to talk about that. There's two reasons you get your head down. Isn't it interesting in Psalms 3 that David says he is the lifter of my head? Lifter of my head. So we're going to come back to that. We'll, we'll leave that up there. All right. Oh, my goodness. No fears. The end is near. Uh, there's so much that is said in the eight words of verse 4. The rod declares so many attributes about the shepherd and his culture. Uh, I want to run through just a couple of them, and we'll, we'll call her good. He uses the rod to count his sheep. I think that's very interesting. The shepherd counts the sheep. The shepherd knows each sheep and their value to his flock. Isn't that comforting? He knows your name. He knows every hair of your head, right? Uh, it's also comforting to know he's not going to coddle me. He'll use this rod not only to count me, but to prod me. But he, he counts us. He knows each one. Our shepherd 
although I, I, I like this thought, our shepherd doesn't use numeric consideration when he counts, but rather he considers the value of each as he knows them by name. Listen to Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 3. I'm just going to read the first half of verse 3 when I get to it. But now, thus says the Lord your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear. Here we are in the valley of the shadow of death. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. He is with me. He knows me by name. His rod comforts me. I know he counts me. Not just as a number. You know, we get into the numbers. Well, how do you know if you're successful? By the numbers. I had a guy one time tell me how to... You know, he, he was saying this, and he goes, I don't agree with this, but he goes, a lot of people judge the effectiveness of their church by nickels and noses, right? How many people are in the pews? How much money's in the coffers? He goes, eh, that's it's not a good gauge of whether or not you're being effective in your community. And so God knows us by name. He counts us. He uses the rod for that purpose. That is a comfort to me. Uh, the rod was used to defend the sheep, right? It was used to defend the sheep. And when I think of the rod, I, I really think of that as the primary purpose. Um, it's it's kind of like having a hammer, right? I can use a hammer for a lot of things. I could count things with my hammer. I could prod things with my hammer. But what is the hammer made for? To pound nails. The rod was made to defend. That's what that little knob on the end is for. Matter of fact, in 1 Samuel chapter 34, or chapter 17, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel 17, uh, David's talking to Saul and he's, Goliath is out there, right? And, and listen to what David says to Saul when Saul's questioning about fighting to David. But David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, and I went out after him and attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. And when it rose up against me, I seized him by the beard and struck him and killed him. What did he strike him with? The rod. He used that little knob for exactly what it was meant for. You can poke a lot of sheep in the rear end with that thing, but it's made to kill lions and bears. That's what that knob is for, to defend, to defend protection. And I'm going to say this, we'll get to this next week, but the rod and the staff represent protection and correction. Okay? Think about that this week. Your protection and your correction, they comfort me. They comfort me. Okay? So we see, we see the rod being used, but it is a, a defensive weapon. God knows how to use his rod to protect his sheep. No weapon fashioned against me will prosper. Every lying tongue will be proven false. God knows how to use his rod. Does he always use it when I want him to? No. No. But he's with me. Right? Right? He is with me. He stands self-existence. And he has some tools in his hand too. And I love it when he uses them. But it's his prerogative how and when to use them. Because sometimes he knows when the danger is imminent and when I'm just feeling it, right? 
uh, we see the use of the rod uh, in David, and I, oh, I didn't finish reading. Um, I rose up and I killed him. Verse 36, I need to read this. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has taunted the armies of Israel. It's very interesting that in this passage, we see the use of the rod and we see a shepherd. So David is a shepherd at this point, right? Matter of fact, it says that his father called him from the sheep and sent him to his brothers in the valley of Elah, which we got to go to when we were in Israel, right? Because this is where the battle lines were drawn up. So we see a shepherd who knows that he has a shepherd who is able in the valley of Elah where the darkness of the situation was being felt by a nation. The gravity of the situation was felt to the point that the army of Israel was hiding in rocks and holes. And here comes David, a shepherd, who knows that he has a shepherd, and he is with me. Right? Man, what an amazing parallel we see in the valley of the shadow of death, the valley of Elah. That's not what Elah means, but that's certainly what it meant to the nation of Israel at that point, right? It's so dark here, we can feel it. David says, ah, he goes, I know the rod of my shepherd. He goes, he enabled me to rise up and use the rod to kill the bear and the lion. He'll do the same with this uncircumcised Philistine, right? Amen. All right. And so the rod is also lastly used to get our attention um, because we all get distracted. And we all need prodding from time to, sh- time to time. And the shepherd knows very well that some of the things the sheep consider good can become a detriment to themselves and the herd if they linger too long. And so he uses the rod to prod us. Your rod comforts me, right? So he counts, he protects. Any prods with the rod. I'm going to stop there and give, we'll give special consideration to the, to the staff next week. Some good stuff in there. But to take that away, his rod and his staff, they are a comfort to me. And I'm going to, I'm going to dig in a little bit because on more than one occasion, I've had an opportunity to talk to people. And sometimes it'll happen like after service. Um, I get talking to somebody, they go, man, that was really good, but like you stepped on my toes and I don't like that feeling, right? We don't like to be corrected. You know, the staff that's a comfort to us is primarily made for correction. Man, correction is when God brings something into the light and says, will you let me release you so that you can find life? Uh, it didn't used to be a comfort to me because nobody likes to be wrong. Like, oh, I'm trying so hard. He goes, listen, this thing holds you in death. You want to keep that? No. God, thank you for your correction. It's life to me. It comforts me. Right? So you can ponder on that this week. That'll be a part of the staff next week. Father, we thank you that you are with us. You are God. You are above all. There is none beside you. God, there is no wisdom against you. You are with us. Your word says that you laugh 
that the rulers of nations. God, we ask for understanding of the reality of your presence with us. God, you said that uh, you would never leave us, that you would never forsake us. We thank you for that. Had you never promised that you would always do things our way or do things how we saw best. As a matter of fact, we understand, God, from the path of righteousness that you're leading us in a path of how you see it, not how we see it. We ask that you would lead us. God, would your rod be a comfort to us in the culture of being shepherded? Would you lead us into that? God, that place where we submit to your leading. God, we're not dependent. We're not surviving on our own ability. God, we have abilities that you've given us, yet we temper them. God, with your leadership, with your guidance, knowing that you are the shepherd. God, knowing that you are the only one who knows the beginning from the end. And so we look to you. We thank you that you come after us again and again and again. God, we thank you that you know us by name. We thank you that you correct us, and we thank you, God, that you prod us for our good. God, that you call us into your plans and into your purpose when we tend to wander. God, that is a comfort to us. We thank you for it. Spirit of Christ, work in us, each one, this week as we go out into our mission fields, into our communities, into our families, into our places of work. Would you go before us? God, would you be at work in us, helping us to buy up each opportunity? We thank you for all these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So today, if uh, again, if you would like prayer, um, please come and people pray.